Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from No Quarter Dominium, Volume 5, written by M.J.L. Evans and G.M. O'Connor. Volume 5 of 6 begins as Laloon's crew is incarcerated in Port Royal, Strumpet Violante Hayes narrowly escapes the gallows, and bribes are made. The refugees at Strangeways Plantation, including Atia Crisp and Capitaine Laroche, make the arduous trek through the Blue Mountains. Atia's reunion with her family is joyous yet short-lived as an old enemy tracks her down. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from No Quarter Dominium, Volume 5. Dragons and Dungeons Moonlight penetrated the fog which lay thick over the sea surface, concealing Arrow's presence. The frigate was slowly being towed by longboats into Antonio Bay. Ginger, Art's first mate, peered at the sea through a spyglass. He was hunting Plutus, a Mediterranean galley captained by an African giant the pirates called Mandingo. There she is, Ginger grinned. The vessel was dark and deserted, like a ghost ship resting in the depths of the misty bay. Sleeping like a baby, if everything went well, he'd have wealthy pockets by the end of the day. He signaled the six longboats to get into position. Turn us to starboard and ready to light the torches. Pirates ready to disembark. Suddenly a drumbeat sounded, echoing across the water. It was followed by chanting. Lamps sparked to life on the galley, and it stirred like a beast. The vessel's sixty oars emerged from the hull, manned by over two hundred slaves, rowing in perfect unison towards Arrow. Ginger dropped his spyglass. Battle stations, get her lined up. Spider cranked the wheel. Hard to starboard, ready to fire on Lee. The crew scrambled with the ropes. Why aren't we turning? The gunner yelled. Line her up. Fire! Ginger hollered and the pirates aimed their muskets and swivel cannons. A flicker of fear sparked in Spider's eyes as a dragon's head lit up at the bow of the vessel. What is it? Ginger gasped. It's a bloody fire ship, it is. Oh, shit. Spider knit his brow at the scorching gold flames. Ginger almost fell over the rail as he leaned over to wave down the longboats. Abandon the longboats, now! The galley aimed the dragon head downwards. From its mouth spewed a jet of slick, bright orange flame. Antonio Bay lit up as the longboats were devoured by fire. Charred men flung themselves into the water, only to continue burning as the oil clung to their flesh, dissolving it. Spider rallied the crew on deck to ready their muskets. Fire! Ginger yelled, and a barrage of gunfire flew towards the enemy. Only two crewmen fell. The galley hoisted a red flag. No quarter. The banner glowed like an omen of death as the sun rose. Ginger could only watch as the dragon aimed at the frigate. A collection of fierce Barbary janissaries stood on deck. Rumors fueled Captain Mandingo's reputation for sheer cruelty and mercilessness. He stood on the deck like a king, seven and a half feet tall, dressed in red and gold silk, wearing gold chains, brandishing an axe and two nimcha swords. Abandon ship, Ginger shouted, and leapt off the quarterdeck with Spider close behind. The dragon's breath assaulted Arrow with an all-consuming blaze, 
that sent remaining crew hurtling to the sea. Once the fire reached the gunpowder barrels, the whole ship exploded into a massive fireball mushrooming up into the sky. Port Royal's inner harbor drew an early morning crowd. People swarmed to the causeway at the news that Relentless and Incorrigible were returning with the French brig Laloon. Laloon's packed yellow sails glowed in the sunrise, and her crew was shackled and lined up on the deck to be ridiculed and taunted by spectators. People jeered, pelting the crew with rotten food and empty bottles. The brig was dragged along to Fort Carlisle to be confiscated, while the crew faced immediate incarceration. Outside the King's house, Acting Lieutenant Governor Piper and Magistrate Mould prepared for a ceremony. This is what the city needed, Piper remarked, pleased with the turnout. Let's make this a speedy conviction. An hour later, a crowd gathered in the main garden to welcome Captain Longstaff and his crew. Welcome, Port Royal's pirate hunters, Piper exclaimed. The crowd clapped and whistled. Law and order under the wigs, Piper basked in public approval for several moments before something occurred to him and he turned to Mould. How come none of them are wearing wigs? Mould's head jerked. Ah, oh, fuck, Piper scowled. They may as well have shown up in their nightshirts. How were they to uphold the image of the Orange Party without wigs? He hoped no one else would notice. After the ceremony, Piper and Mould were driven to Marshalsea Prison to check on Laloon's crew. After descending the stone steps of the prison, they followed a lengthy corridor with glowing torches and old English tapestries on the walls. Screams thundered, followed by the sizzle of a branding iron and more shrieks. The pair passed by cages with floor spikes and impaling devices that left nothing to the imagination. In the far corner stood the pride and joy of the dungeon, a custom-designed metal cabinet lined with spikes, fashioned in the likeness of Queen Elizabeth I. The old Iron Maiden never looked better. Piper admired his wig in the polished surface. Yes, indeed, Mould nodded as they passed an old version of the royal banner comprised of lush red tapestry with three embroidered gold lions. Piper paused to admire it. That's when they knew how to design a banner. It gives the place a homely feeling, Mould replied. Guards marched by, dragging a prisoner by the armpits. Bloody and beaten, he was luxuriating in blissful unconsciousness as his body was dumped in a vacant cell. The bars slammed and the door was locked and bolted. The guards saluted and marched away to interrogate another prisoner. Piper and Mould paused next to a holding cell where Lieutenant Thorne interrogated a prisoner. Is this one Gator Gar? Piper asked. He claims he is, but Captain Longstaff identified him as one of the Picard brothers, your acting lordship. Mould glowered. And what have we learned so far? Well, they're not pirates. How do you know? Piper eyed the prisoner, who was strapped tightly to a wooden chair. Blood streamed down the side of Le Picard's head. His clothes had been shredded, and the skin beneath had shallow cuts, which were wet with a recent treatment of salt water. The crew are all green, none of them have any scars, and the darkies got a lockbox key, Thorne explained. So? Mould shrugged. Locks ain't permitted on pirate ships. It's against the code. What about the sword of Don Juan Perez de Guzman? Nowhere to be found, Thorne said. Piper roughly lifted Lippicard's head with a handkerchief. 
and this bloody fool says he's Gator Gar, obviously covering for the real one. Thorn readied another cup of brackish water and doused the open wounds on the prisoner's chest and legs. Where is he? He brandished a broadside. Lippicard's face filled with defiance. Piper removed a leather whip from a bucket of salt water and whacked the insolent Frenchman. So which one are you, then? The youngest, I presume, the little brother who never amounted to anything. The crewman Delacroix confirmed he's not the capitaine. We have a sworn statement, Thorne said. Don't blame him, though. He's a right bloody mess. So where's the logbook, Picard? Piper demanded. Le Picard remained silent. Mould folded his arms. I think he needs more salt. Which wound? Thorne asked. All of them, Piper said coolly. You will talk, Picard. Sooner is in your best interest. We play rough from here. I think I'm going to enjoy this much more than you are. Thorn lashed Lippicard's raw knees, rubbing salt into them. Lippicard's screams sounded down the hallways, filling every room of the prison. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from No Quarter Dominium, Volume 5. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.